Welcome to Game Woven, a collaborative storytelling collective building a world one game at a time. This week, we will be playing Kingdom by Ben Robbins. If you like what we do here and want to get involved, follow us on Twitter at GameWoven, where you can join our Discord, and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash GameWoven. thrown into crisis. By the time Queen Irene arrived to attempt to quell Blythe's pride and excess, it was already too late. Blythe had been collaborating with Baron Jack to develop new alchemical explosives, which she employed alongside her dominated monsters to devastating effect. Among the fire and blood in the north and political discontent in the south, tensions at last boiled over. The arcane shock of supernatural bombs sent shockwaves down the ley line. Horrified by the devastation of their home, Queen Bly's soldiers began to desert her cause, only to return to the fight with a blood arrow in their chests. The nobility of Shalmir attacked negotiations between the Dead Nettle and Ophidians, and the Grand Kraken burned. While fighting a vampire on the Leviathan, arcane munitions ignited and Leon was killed. Beset by calamity, Tristan was forced to choose which of three grim outcomes he would prevent. He set aside his loyalty to his queen, allowing news of Leon's death to reach Irene. Bly's body now lies in a far-off desert. He was not in Vitaschau, the day Henbet abolished the nobility, allowing the former lords and ladies a simple choice. Live as commoners, leave Shalmir, or die. The Ophidians, it seemed, would not be ruled in any case, so better let them rule themselves than accept alliance with Baron Jack. The fires are burnt out. Irene has disappeared to grieve. Tristan and Jack begin their long-awaited journey from Haggard's Point to the Orchard. Welcome back, everyone, to Game Woven. We're going to continue with our Game of Kingdom. Where we last left off, a whole bunch of disasters happened all at once in, like, the last 20 minutes. No. I thought it went really well. Yeah, because you killed everybody. <laughs> Not everybody, just the ones who didn't want to give up all their money or leave. <laughs> so what do we have? We have we have the city-state of Ernet in shambles, and we have the nobility of Shaumir dead or having been brought to heal by Henbit, who is playing at Revolutionary. And by playing, we mean playing for keeps. So... This is just a clarifying question for me because it's because it's listen, been a minute. It's been a minute. So for Ernette, I know we had Blythe attacking somewhere. I don't remember where. So the situation with Blythe is that she was basically leading the resistance against the Undying Empire right. in a way that led to a staggering amount of collateral damage. Mm -hmm. Magical explosive bombs, one of which killed Leon. Mm -hmm. We're talking dominated monsters. 
just ransacking the city yes. walls. It, it, mm -hmm. it was really, it was too much and it was too hard. And y'all tried to bring her to heal and she didn't. Irene yep. tried. Yep. And Blythe, now Blythe, Blythe please, is come gone. On, stop, no, come on, no, please. Blythe, please, ooh. <laughs> Bitch, you better stop this shit or I will have to do something drastic. <laughs> and then hey. she did something drastic. <laughs> and now Blythe is dead. The one in which the gang does something drastic. Yeah. Every episode. No one knows for sure what happened to Blythe, except for maybe your Stella, because her Stella knows everything. And Tristan. Somewhere Blythe is doing the family guy falling down pose in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> Since so much happened in the last thing, resulting in a full-blown crisis, we are going to take a time passes action. So, step one, decide how long. Decide together if this will be the end of the game so everyone knows whether this is an epilogue. It is not the end of the game. If you're not into the game, decide how much time will pass. Months, years, or even decades. My, no, I'm uh, feeling months. Weeks to months. Yeah. Especially True. with what currently in my head is my front runner for my proposed crossroad. But we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Months sounds good. Things are happening quickly, so it makes sense. It won't be like a lull. Right, and maybe this happened like just before winter or something, or or any number of reasons why there might be a stall after a giant blow up. Mm -hmm. I have my own theories about why that I'll share in the next phase a little bit, but yeah. Everyone was just tired and had to take a nap. Wanted to have a nap. <laughs> Got it. So, Benjamin, you're already seating the quiet ear of the ruins of Vernet, trying to get ready for Undying Empire reprisal. Got it. Good. Hmm. I wasn't, but now I am. No. This arc, <laughs> this arc needs. This arc needs to end. This needs to be over. No, Please. we're not. We're not. Your six editor is in. begging you. This is going to be episode seven. Look. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> The longer this takes, the more time I have to put off editing a video that should have taken a day. A video? <laughs> an episode. <laughs> okay. Step two, the good and the bad. Take turns describing what your main character's life is like during the hiatus. Tell us something good and something bad. Keep it personal. Focus on your character, not the kingdom. You can describe new develops in your life, but do not introduce new developments for the kingdom. If a different role seems like a better fit, you can change now. If you want to retire your character, narrate a brief epilogue, epilogue for them. Do they depart, die, or simply fade from the spotlight? Let's go with Irene. Give us a good and a bad, and uh, whether she's staying or not. At this point, Irene's lost everything, and she just killed somebody. Outright killed life. That was not the goal, but it was certainly a, what will hopefully be a helpful result, but she's... Her kingdom is in better hands than any sort of leadership she could provide. She did the best she could. And she, I don't know if she knows about what Henbet's doing, but at this point, she Leon was the only family she had left. So she, I think, is going to disappear 
think she probably goes up. Headbed had told her about a place up north. She decided to go travel up the river, disappear there. Sends a letter to Henbit through her Luna, Zach, explaining that she's all right, but she just needs to disappear for a while. If you need to get a hold of her, the Luna will know where to find her. And that is Irene. I'm sure we'll see her again. I have a headcanon of where she is, but yeah. <laughs> Lex, tell us about Tristan in the months between one crossroad to another. Give us a good and a bad. I mean, the bad is he has to corral Jack for however long this takes. I don't know what bullshit Jack pulls, but I'm just going to put it in bad. Just that's all I'm going to assume. Uh, it might even be a good for Jack. Just have someone to fuck with. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's just like constantly seeing the future of Jack doing some fuck shit and going, no. Bad. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> Trying to get Jack to Tristan's home. Not town, because city-state, but, you know, place. Section of town. Yeah, what is that? What is it called in New York? The borough. Borough. The borough. I feel like it's also possible that, like, the city-state controls an amount of territory around it. Yeah. So, like, Septimus could even be outside of her net proper but like within a yeah. day's travel of it or could just be Fair. like a new district of her net I don't know it's the, we'll get maps eventually yeah the Deskbreaker Memorial Orchard is where they mm -hmm. had the orphanage that and that's where Tristan's from yeah. yeah that's right and give us a good Tristan oh good ooh is there a good life is dead I don't know man everything's bad <laughs> Some examples could be, did Tristan find a gun? Yo, he invented guns. <laughs> <laughs> They're not bullshit flintlocks. He's got a machine gun. Yeah, he looked <laughs> into the future and saw guns and went, no, fuck that. I'm making it now. <laughs> I'm going to put that plot point in the back pocket for something. In the no. A good, they probably, they, like, we saw much like Leviathan was on the way to the orchard. So maybe he finally got to do his thing where he like did oh. the dive and got his his uh his Leviathan bones. Tristan did the dive. That's fucking awesome. Which what what bone did Tristan get? Did you get Toxic. tail or tooth? Toxic. I recall correctly, the mouth is the deepest part, right? Like getting a tooth yeah. is like okay, yeah. He probably made somewhere in the middle. He's not, like, a super soldier type guy, but he's still, like, you know, good in a fight. He's still, you know, a fit young lad. Okay, hold on. I have an idea. Tell okay. me if you hate this. Okay. What if he believed in the heart of the cards and okay. uh, dove deep and pushed himself to his limit, and he actually carved off a piece of orbital bone from around the Leviathan's Ooh. eye? Because the whole seer thing, you want to go. I, it, I mean, it's a little, it's a little on the nose, yeah. but also it's pretty sick. No, also, it, count the sick. references in that statement. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Leviathan's eye from Saga. Oh, I don't know Saga at all. Not Saga, I, Adamless. Saga was the last bit of that I listened oh, to. Oh, Adamless. Uh, I'm not oh, caught up. Right. 
Sorry, I was thinking the, the actual comic called Saga. <laughs> so I was like... Fair. Which is very good. Sad. A good thing for Henbit. Or a bad thing for Henbit. One of each, please. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing, is it's the same thing. Henbit's finally doing the job that she wants to be doing. I think is is holding it together. Over this period of months, she's really, like, she's buckled in, and a lot of the interpersonal relationships that she made over the years previous and the amount of organization that she was able to do with the Covens is bearing fruit. And in the lack of that old style of institutional control, they're making it. The people of Wiedeschau specifically, and then starting to push out into the surrounding territory, it's getting pieced together. One bad thing is it's monumental amounts of work. He wakes up at dawn and goes to sleep long after it's dark. The process of following has accelerated just a little, like it has progressed a little bit because the world isn't his concern anymore. His concern is the people that he's trying to deal with. And God help him, they're doing a lot of good work. Things are coming together. The Ophidians are abrasive, but they have control over the part of town that they're in. Probably even expanded their holdings a little bit because to a certain point, it's not worth pissing them off to try and, and keep that control and the people in those places are being relatively well taken care of. It's all just so much and it's so constant and it's every day. And I think like just always looks tired. But at the beginning of the day, when she wakes up in the palace and goes and steps out on, on her balcony, uh, or the balcony that's attached to the room that she shares with a number of other people at this point, there are a fair number of people living in the palace that weren't before, stands out and looks over the city and says, has the thought again, the sun's rising and this is ours. That's good. We love the Wolf Mafia. Also, I will say, you probably do have some support. Maybe not from the whole Ramses family, but from some of the Ramses. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, it's... It, people are doing jobs. It's just... We've destroyed the entire organizational structure of the government. And we're trying to piece it back together while keeping everybody fed and... rooting out provocateurs and people who are discontent and, and trying not to be brutal about it. When there is a plot, when violence is afoot, yeah, we need to protect ourselves, but members of the aristocracy that genuinely did give up their holdings and just joined the population at large, their skills are being put to use. I don't know that they're very well trusted, but like, that was a promise. Like, that was a genuine thing of if you are willing to lay down everything and to, to live in the new world that we're building then you can do that and we're working to live up to that promise and Rob give us a little bit on Admiral Jack yeah so think for the good 
I'm gonna say that despite their best efforts, Tristan is rubbing off on Jack a bit. Like, it's mostly in these past couple months when Jack will think of the more backstabby or brutal option, Tristan will be like, that won't work as well as probably something else. And, you know, after Tristan being right a couple of times, you know, pragmatism tells you to start listening to the person who can see the future. And <laughs> it's kind of just snowballed a little bit to the point where I think that, first of all, you don't have to execute people if you don't want to, which I know is like a really weird thing to say is like, oh, I'm so nice. <laughs> but like, you know, progress is progress. But also like, like it, it has come to the point now where, where Jack will give like a hint of a smile when you show up, Tristan. If only because they like having the strategic advantage that you represent. The bad is that he, in his mind, due to Tristan's meddling, is starting to care for the world more now than he has in a long time. How terrible. The and... bad is he's gotten a conscience. <laughs> Did you know that when the Grinch stole Christmas is actually a bad ending? <laughs> The consequence of that is that he he's worried and feels like he might be losing Falokin status, and that is something which terrifies him to his core. Wait, is he getting like some little sprouts? I think that unintentionally he's still Falokin, but like we always said that there was there is a path to redemption. You, you, There's a path to redemption. You are not completely gone, and so like, yeah, I think, fucking I, oh my god, Jack and Henbit are gonna Benjamin button it, and they're gonna meet in the middle. Because <laughs> this is this is not about this is about good for him, bad for him, mm -hmm. right? No, it's true. Yeah. So you don't like it? That's his. All right. <laughs> step three: crisis phase fades. If there are any crisis boxes checked, <laughs> there are. We'll see whether the situation in the kingdom has calmed down during the break. Your decision may be influenced by how other players describe the hiatus. Everyone simultaneously holds up fingers to show how much you, as a player, think crisis should be reduced. One to five fingers, or hold your hand flat for zero. Take the second lowest number, even if that's zero or a tie, and then uncheck that many boxes. So, just to make sure we're clear. It's not what you think we should set the crisis at, it's how much we think it should be reduced. So a five is reduce all the crisis, a zero is no, the crisis is just as bad as it's ever been. For my bookkeeping records, it looks like because you also reduce crisis a bit after having one, we have one crisis box ch still checked. Oh, yes. okay. All right, so basically it's reduce it one or don't reduce it at all. Ready? Mm -hmm. Three, two, one. The second lowest is a one, and so we reduce it by one. So we have zero crisis. So I had a thought while we were on break as to why this might happen. Why is that? <laughs> so, so the reason everything calms down for so long is 
if you think about warfare and you think about uh, scorched earth tactics, they mess up advancing armies and they screw up occupations. So with the sacking of her net and like basically the destruction of most of its resources, Circumsuri's standing forces are kind of scattered in the winds and it takes him probably months to consolidate. And I think particularly because of Admiral Jack's blockade, that really messes thing up. So what's Circum have to do? He has to call for the fucking Imperial Navy. And that takes a while because they're coming all the way from the north. Also, aren't they like predominantly landlocked? Yeah, I, and they're yeah. heavily landlocked. They do have a Navy. Yeah. Like, that or they'll go. have to find some way to get the entire army across the river. Yeah. I'm imagining getting the Navy from its closest port is like going from like Maryland to like Tijuana, Mexico. Yeah. You gotta go all the mm -hmm. way around the continent. So it takes a while and this gives everyone a lot of breathing room because mm. the vampires and the rest of the Undead Empire need to like literally just focus on surviving and not making things worse for themselves. They have to pull back to where their supply lines can actually reach them. Yeah. So sorry. In my head for a second for their navy, I just managed a bunch of dudes in coffins and just oars. <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of just a bunch of like carons. Just, just a bunch of vampires. It's like, oh it's, okay. it's daytime, everyone in the coffin. Now Bree, the next step is new characters. You could introduce your new character now, or we could skip to the crossroad and then give you the first scene, and then you can introduce your new character. What do you want to do? Your call. Let's see what the crossroad is, and then I'll figure out how I want to introduce my person. Yeah, make it as dramatic as you as you as you want. So, Rob, what's the crossroad? Big shot. In order to recover from recent events, will we ourselves, will the kingdom itself become a conqueror? Ooh. My thought is we have a bunch of displaced people from Renette and a bunch of people really, really keyed up for violence and fighting. And those kind of people are usually not very good at, oh, let me put the sword down so I can like farm a little. And there's no one to go like they can't get revenge because... Mm -hmm fucking the 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 occupiers have gone underground mm -hmm. you can't get your can't take your your anger out on them oh but there are juicy. political neighbors who haven't been at war and have plenty of food and money and resources that we could use just got to start following the river north so that was my mm -hmm. proposal thoughts questions comments concern oh none it's just like we have <laughs> yeah, no, two no, we have two powers currently, and uh, one of them he is Henbit, who's going to be not about this at all. The other one's Jack. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, this is my this is my job. Well, Henbit can make sure there's something to come back to. Well, and it could be starting to manifest as people sort of cracking off on their own and heading up and just literally becoming raiders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then just, yeah. be, hey, I got supplies. We yeah, like, found like them. the Ophidians control yeah. the ports. Look what I found. Don't worry about the Imperial Seal. Look at these oh. blood-covered backpacks. I yeah, found. the Ophidians control the ports, and like Ernette is potentially salvageable. Like the city is not like gone, but like mm -hmm. the orchards, hella gone. 
like uh, they, those were probably the first thing to go because i remember specifically that like large-scale fires were part of mm -hmm. what we <laughs> unleashed upon Ernet yeah. last time. I think that was you specifically. <laughs> yeah, I actually was. <laughs> Ernet is unfortunately no longer Stinky Fruit Gang. Yeah. Now it's just stinky. Now it's just... It <laughs> smells like burning compost now, which is worse. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. But it's bad. It's oh. bad. Because, you know, there's still some fruit mixed in there, too, and it's like, ugh. So, Bree, that's our crossroad. Why don't you give us the first scene? Who is your new character? What are her impressions when she comes to town? And where do you want the scene to end up? So, my new character is actually originally from Zalo. She is a runner who is used as a scout to gather information on potential allies, things that have been going on. And in her scouting, she spent a lot of time, I would imagine, both in Shamir and in the Stormtooth Baronies, because they looked like potentially a little bit better allies, depending on what kind of warfare we were into. I imagine, like, she went to report back as when everything happened, and then, like, came back and saw, oh, things have changed a lot. Gets the lay of the land, sees what everyone's starting to do. Her name is Zara. And sort of once she has a picture of what everyone's facing and trying to do, I'm gonna say, what was the name of the pirate bar again? Did we have, we had a pirate bar, right? We did not have a pirate bar. Uh, we have, we had the fucked up theater. Uh, that is, we don't have that anymore. <laughs> Alas. Hagrid Point is is the town yeah. that the Baronies... There was a bar on the Leviathan. Okay. I don't I don't think we ever named it. Gippies? Gippies? <laughs> it's Gippies. No, I said Skippy, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Skippies, but the sign has, like, eroded away, so it kind of looks more like Gippies, so that's what all the locals call it. Yeah, so... This meeting happens at Haggard Point, because as I said, she's worked in the Baronies before. She knows Jack. And Jack has been a little bit busy trying to keep things going. And at one point you saw a mark similar to something she would leave whenever she had information to pass along. Yeah. It's like a meet here at midnight kind of thing. And if any, and if Tristan wants to just randomly clairvoyantly show up, that's also okay. Yeah, Tristan honestly would be invited. Jack would be like, I've got a person I'm excited for you to meet if you have time. I mean, I know. Sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> still me being thrown off. <laughs> and Bree, your name is Zara? She's Runner Zara, or Scout. Well, she's introduced herself as Runner. Gotcha. Um, okay, so... Say your invitation again. I get a, a notice, and Baron Jack will just say to you, if you have the time at midnight tonight, there's someone very interesting that you get to meet. I mean, I planned ahead, so I would have time for that. So, yeah, I'm good. Well, you also probably knew what I was going to ask anyway, so yeah, that's I have what I to do it or else I break. 
time, probably. I mean, you do that on the regular, honestly. <laughs> I don't understand how. Uh, honestly, it, it, that shouldn't make me feel as accomplished as it does. All right. You should have died so long ago. I don't know what's up. Very, like, serious face. Yeah, I know. And now let's cut to the scene. <laughs> yeah, so it's midnight. Y'all been waiting around. Probably because she didn't expect you to bring company. Hi, Zara. Sorry, runner Zara. Didn't know you were going to be bring a friend, Jack. How have you been? If I didn't invite him, he would have showed up. But also, uh, you two might get along. Uh, been quite the time. Misty down here. Been a little busy keeping an eye on things down here and up there. Also, like she, she takes her hood down, and the last time you saw her, she just looked like completely ordinary girl. But there's just something about her features have changed. It's like they're sharper. The eyes look maybe a little more fair, a little more animal-like. What are they putting the water up there in? Uh, what was it called? Zello. Zello. Okay. What are they putting the water up there? Your uh, time's been kind to you. Curses. Yeah, your friend here is right. Curses. I was dodging mine for a while, but... I had to choose between presenting something bad from happening and having to deal with this. It's made my job a little trickier, but... With everything that's going on, not many people have questioned it as much. Don't worry, everything's coming to a head. Decisions are going to be made pretty soon. You know. Gives you a quizzical look. It'll only get slightly less cryptic, but I promise he uh, knows what he's talking about. Okay, so, side thing. I just noticed, Rob, you changed your, your name to be Baron Jack. Jack spelled with a Q? <laughs> <laughs> That's something that Zad started uh, because yeah. it's based on the Jacaranda tree. Okay, no, it was like I just noticed the cue. I was gonna say she's just kind of like, no, yeah, we knew he was smarter than most people who think by looking at him. He knows his things, and I know things too. Something that might be able to help. You ever wondered how I was able to get here? I'm sure you'll enlighten me. Come on, let me show you. And she shows Jack one of the tunnels that some of the runners use. And tunnels that could be used to get around Imperial encampments, get to resources, travel unnoticed. I think Tristan is gonna look confused and say, what's up with these tunnels? Well, something you didn't know about. Yeah, what? They've been here for a while. We've been using them for a while, and they're also part of why you're still alive. See, I, I don't like it when I can't see things, and I don't like that. I don't like this, but, you know, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dodging Imperial patrols, I love it. Zara will explain to the both of you that um, 
These tunnels were discovered around um, the town of Zalo in this underground town that they found out about not all that long ago called Bassburg. <laughs> Which probably gets that exact head shake of shame. And they've been using it to gather information and move information around. And she's like, I figure you could use this to take out problems. Your friend over in Shamir can use it to help gather resources. See, Nara, this is why you gotta come around more often. Because no matter how bad things are, you always bring me good news. Okay, do we have a power in the scene? It's me. Do we have a perspective in the scene? It's me, it's Tristan. Do we have a touchstone in the scene? It's me, Zara. Holy shit, we <laughs> actually have a scene where we have a three? Yes. Second time. <laughs> Miracles do happen. It's true. So my question then is, what is the dramatic question here? Is it, are we going to use the tunnels? I think it's better to say, how will we use the tunnels? Yes. Yeah. How Ooh. will we use the tunnels? I think it's clear we're going to use the tunnels. We're going to do some yeah. shit with those tunnels. Mm-hmm. Use it for a mix of resource gathering and casually harassing the Empire. Yeah, I, I, I guess the question is, is it straight assassination espionage or like goodwill resource gathering to help the, the harmed people? Like, that's my first thought. Yeah, I, I actually, I think that might be like, is it an aggressive posture or is it a sustainable posture? Which way? And I think Jack being the power here would be the one that's going to decide which way it's going to go. So, Jack, which way are you leaning? And then we'll hear from our perspective and touchstone. Yeah, it's going to be an aggressive posture. We're going <laughs> to, my thought is the instant that this was pitched to Jack, my. And the first thing that therefore popped into Jack's head was, oh, so we can just launch sneak attack raids and just take whatever we need from basically anywhere and spy on the Empire and guerrilla fight them all with the same resource. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Zara will definitely be cautioning, don't use these too much, vary it up. It's a lot easier to steal a bunch of shit if they don't know you're there. Sharing some of the guerrilla tactics used in Zalo. So let's hear from Tristan. What does Tristan think the outcome of taking an aggressive posture with these tunnels is going to lead to? Oh, the first time Tristan has to do this without, because I decided, for, I don't know why I immediately had this thought. Tristan doesn't, cannot see anything about these tunnels. I love it. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's great. My brain went like, the reason that no one found them because like they're magically like hidden somehow. I don't know. And Tristan just like, I don't fucking know anything about these things. So... I think he's he's making this making this prediction just like a normal person for once. But I think if you use it aggressively versus philanthropically, relief aid type stuff, the Undiamer is going to take a hit, like a good hit, I think. Because, like, how do you deal with some, an enemy that can literally pop up in the middle of nowhere, unseen, unheard, fuck you up, then leave? Like, I don't know. But I also think maybe doing so will reveal the tunnels... Ooh. Yeah, you have to be careful. And, like, the more aggressive you are, the more likely you are to eventually find the tunnels. Mm-hmm. Like, they probably wouldn't be able to navigate them, but yeah, they might know they exist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if crisis happens, then sure, they'll want to navigate them. 
That kicks ass. All right. So, Touchstone, Zara, particularly given that you just got back into town and everything's a disaster, how does Zara feel about Admiral Jack immediately just seeing the tunnels and going, oh yeah, we're doing a guerrilla war? You need to gather resources to take care of your people and then start strategically using it. Otherwise, this could backfire. It won't gain you as much of an advantage as it could. Okay. Which we did say, Jack is starting to develop a conscious. Mm-hmm. And that's how Zara yep. feels, and therefore that's how the people feel. Mm-hmm. Even though it's Zara's first impression, you can imagine even a couple of months after a calamity, like, mm, yeah, they're probably still worried about supplies. Can we please have some bread? I need a bread for my babies, please. <laughs> Just some bread. Just need flour for bread. I'll take rye. I'll take <laughs> rye. I'll do it. Whole grain? You got some whole grain? Let's go hey. with the whole grain. So, it comes down to Jack. Are you using the tunnels aggressively or conservatively? So, it is ultimately still going to be aggressively because while he will organize people to go raid and gather the supplies needed instead of doing like relief efforts. I think, I mean, first of all, it's the dramatic choice, but also like, honestly, I think in this moment, this is the like overcorrection for someone does when they're scared. Mm. Jack is like, I feel like connection to the nature and people in the world around me i don't like this feeling i this is new for since for a long time so i'm gonna i'm gonna not nah, i'm gonna stop no please no ew empathy <laughs> gross human emotion also we'll you're trying to de- decide that zara does have a connection with tristan oh it's part of why she turned became one of ended up becoming one of the gray folk. Hmm. They found out that someone was coming for him. And she was able to stop it. But she lost her control on the curse. Someone wanted to assassinate the precog. I can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah. Just like one person had figured it out and she was the only one who could get there in time. That's also kind of why she dropped off the face, dropped off the earth for a little bit. She had to get back in control so she could be a runner again. But it's okay. Back home, they know how to deal with this. And because of the whole tunnels thing, it's the tunnels are enough of an obfuscation that Tristan doesn't know, I think. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't know why he doesn't know. He just doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And the one death I'm pretty sure Tristan can never see is his own. Because I feel like mm. that's interesting. Precog who never sees how they die, so he didn't know. Since we made a decision, we will check a crossroad box. And then Zara, do we check a crisis box or not check a crisis box? I think we just check one. We check one. Okay. Because... Yes, we are moving towards weakening the Empire, but we are not building up the strength that we need on the back end. So Mm -hmm. we're not taking steps to be able to support a campaign. Okay. 
the next scene is going to be uh, Lex is going to get a scene, but I want to throw in a little bit of flavor. I want to throw in a little something, something. Oh, what are you putting in the soup, friend? Oh, I'm putting a little something in the soup. Is what I'm putting in. I'm putting something in the soup. I'm putting in a, a cat's paw. Something interesting has happened. On one of the excursions, some of the uh, the scouts who were planning on attacking what they thought was an undead camp found the camp already destroyed, and there they found two vampire corpses with jugs of berry wine poured all over them. Vampire corpses. Which, vampires, tough to kill. I think yeah. on screen we've killed exactly one vampire and Leon had to die to do it. Yeah, I think I think, I think think you're right. I think it's only been one. Yeah. So now we've got two dead ones. There are rumors circulating in the outskirts of Renette of a figure called the Berry Wine Spectre, who is assassinating vampires throughout the area. Oh, 10 out of 10 name. What a good name. <laughs> that is good. Is I like that name. No, that's, that's, a, that's a solid name. My brain was like, okay, but other names, other possible names. The Wine Wraith. Um, the Wine Wraith. <laughs> wine Wraith also very good. good. Um, buried in Wine. The Berry Butcher. <laughs> The berry butcher. There are a couple names. And his and his berry band of thieves. <laughs> <laughs> his berry men. Berry men. His, and his berry men. <laughs> no, the berry wine specter has been launching apparently a one-man campaign. Thrunner oh, support this. Zara is currently a little disappointed in Jack. <laughs> Lex, it is your scene. Yo, you got berries in my soup. <laughs> Very soup. Okay, so the scene is one that I've been hinting at from like the jump. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Tristan and Jack arrive at the orchard. I don't know if anyone else would be here at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> and it wouldn't go anywhere near the orchard? Oh, that makes sense. I have work to do. I would go near the orchard. I am very busy. That is a long ways away. If it's interesting, Zara could be running by gathering information, but at the moment, no. Sorry, I just imagine her literally just running by, just... <laughs> hey guys, how's it going? Agree, bye. Zara, if you want to be in the scene, also, Zad, if you want a minor character in the scene, you're welcome to put one in. Scene, the orchard, what's going on? Ooh, it's like... It's been, we said, a month, right? Couple months. Couple a couple months. A few months, yeah. Okay. I say a few months. So any damage that was here is probably cleaned up. I'm going to assume-ish. There's probably signs that there was damage. Mm -hmm. And I'm also going to assume most of the citizens of the Undying Empire that were, like, occupying here did get either murdered or kicked out. I'm just going to make that assumption. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Ernetti's are badass. What if there's a vampire staked to, like, one of the trees in the orchard? Yeah! Mm. Yeah, this is probably one of the only actual orchards left because it's not outside the city. Because mm. the city didn't burn as much. 
and we're talking probably some of the lesser vampires. Like yeah. we're talking like yeah, yeah, every like every every uh, uh, step you get a, every step you get away from the emperor, you get a little more diluted. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I think Jack is visibly uncomfortable at the sight of all the tr- uh, of the orchard. Not feeling good, Jack. Just what do you want to show me? Get. You're looking at it. Yeah, I mean. Consequences. Collateral. People. I don't know, the trees are looking fine. Okay, so to make it clear, I don't think you're a good person. Just being brutally honest. But I do believe anyone could be. And I'm hoping that somewhere in your rotten little soul, there's just a bit of humanity left. Just a tiny bit. It is the kick in the ass it needs to feel something. People are suffering, have suffered, will suffer. And you're in a position to make it better or worse. Jack will walk up to the tree with the Damphir, like, staked into it and pull out the stake, letting the, like, corpse just fall on the ground. It comes to life. Roll initiative. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We'll, we'll, like, look at the tree the way you would, like, assess, like, a person, like, who got stabbed, like, making sure they're okay. Listen, I remember planting some of these. And... There was a time where I would have been really upset seeing how part of this orchard is destroyed and parts of that aren't are under threat. And But after a certain point, you have to accept that things die and new things come out from that death. I don't know how much you know about Train. I've been this way for so long. If I I start embracing that humanity as you put it, I don't think I survive it. I think that's a good thing. Because you in front of me shouldn't be part of anything. The person standing in front of me doesn't deserve to have anything so let him die and someone new take his place maybe maybe I will and will like take a step forward and and maintain the eye contact that I'm assuming is being made as you say this so I may not be looking after this place the way you like Maybe I take a uh, an orthodox approach to protection, but when I am replaced, the person who replaces me is going to have to earn it, and nobody has yet, as you keep saying. I think the one person who can dethrone you is you. 
and I want to be there at the coronation. But if you don't change, if you don't grow, I'm going to make it my personal mission to make sure instead of putting a crown on your head, I'll put a noose around your neck. I look forward to seeing you try. The dramatic question, I presume, is does Jack let this experience affect him? I think that it affects him, but Jack, as as an entity, is essentially convinced that if he goes back from being fellow, goes back into the natural cycle, that he would just perish and can't bear the thought of losing that amount of control. So... No, not now. Could I propose something in addition here? Great. I love when you do that. Yes, and <laughs> you guys have been walking through this. Uh, you're in. You're in the orchard. You've somehow found your way into into her net. It's not as heavily guarded as it was previously. Obviously, they're they're holding it, but it's badly in need of resupply. You've got these cool magic tunnels, and you're walking through the Dustraker Memorial Orchard. I think after that exchange, I suppose Tristan probably goes off on his own, and Jack is still there in the orchard that he helped plant. And you hear some soft footfalls behind you. Not ready for your apology, kid. <laughs> it's been quite some time since somebody called me a kid. Although, interesting that uh, you believe apologies to be in order. Long time no see. How's your boat? My boat is doing just fine. We managed to get out before your people. Uh, you've done rather well, Baron Jack. Gives a little mocking bow. And you've made it all the way here, you and your friend. How are you finding the orchard? I've done my best to take care of it in your absence. Been pretty hands-off in terms of the maintenance, so I think all that considered, it's fared all right. It would be a real shame to care for the seeds that you plant and... uh, Have that be the end of you. You know, Jack, there are other paths to immortality than the one that you're currently on. I'm sure. I can't say my path is particularly pleasant, but it does give me a certain amount of autonomy and free will that I feel that some others are lacking. Well, you've got me there. The offer still stands. You would still make a fantastic count, but quite frankly, I've taken some time to think and to reconsider, and also, I happen to have a debt to pay, not to mention a number of personal matters that have become involved. So... The offer of the Undying Empire still stands. 
the offer that I have implied but not made still stands. And as an added gesture of goodwill, I will leave you and your friend to go about your way in peace on one condition. He pulls a letter out of his doublet and passes it over. There's an old associate of mine living in Chaumere. Went by the name of Claudius York. May have moved on to another alias by now, but see that he gets this. And also, for you, he pulls a small brass whistle out of his jacket and passes it over to you. If mortality comes calling for you, before you're ready, this may help. Claudius will know what it does. You know, I think that people not like us probably find you very grating and talk down to them a lot. I understand, or at least I, th I think I understand what you all are, are playing at here. The perspective, things like us have. I think the problem has arisen for that you all doing it a little too loud, if you take my meaning. The Empire is a scream that drowns out everything else. I heard silence for the first time in 856 years, not but a couple of months ago. See that note gets to Claudius, keep the whistle close, and maybe we can find some other game to play in the future, you and I. Jack, like, nods and looks profoundly shaken and will just, uh, I swear, I'll deliver the letter. Much appreciated. And Circum turns and disappears into the night. I think he fades from view even sooner than you might expect him to among the trees. And he's gone. Thank you for listening to Game Woven. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Game Woven, join the Discord, support us on Patreon, and consider leaving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or whatever host you normally use. This week's episode featured me, T.T. Benjamin, at T.T. Benjamin 1 on Twitter, Lex at call underscore me underscore they on Twitter, Brianna at Brianna Jeans on Twitter, Zad at Zadkale Green on Twitter, and Rob at Rob B. Rowling on Twitter.